الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الحمد وله الملك يحيي ويميت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه وقليله أرسله الله للناس نذيرا وبشيرا محمد رسول الله والذين معه أشداء على الكفار رحماء بينهم لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد رشد ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي المؤمنين وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد ضل ضلالا بعيدا أوصيكم ونفسي أولا بتقوى الله وطاعته وأحذركم من عسيانه ومخالفة أمره أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وأحسن الهدي هدي محمد وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار يقول الله عز وجل وهو أصدق القائلين في كتابه الكريم وكذلك جعلنا لكل نبي عدو الشياطين عدو الشياطين الإنس والجن يوحي بعضهم إلى بعض زخرف القول غرورا ولو شاء ربكم ما فعلوه فذرهم وما يفترون Brothers and sisters, committed Muslims The ayah that was just quoted was the 112th ayah in Surah Al-An'am and it can be roughly translated as follows
And thus we have assembled against every prophet a host of evil forces that are composed of human beings and the jinn. who refer each other to glittering truths that are meant to delude the mind. And it were, were it not for, for the permission of your Lord, they would not have been able to get away with this kind of mischief. So avoid them and all of their false imagery. Once again, this is the 112th ayah from Surah Al-An'am. When it comes to the subject of the jinn or the invisible beings, Most of us tend to take a look at it in a mostly personal way in terms of black magic or a curse put upon a rival or for some kind of mitigation against a jealous impulse on the inside. But on the same hand, the vast majority of us do not view the jinn or the invisible beings as an organized opposition against Allah's prophets and all of those who follow in the footsteps of Allah's prophets. But nonetheless, this is what the ayah says. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍ عَدُوَ الشَّيَاطِينَ الْإِنسِ وَالْجِنِ But this organized opposition of the jinn is not necessarily a military or a physical opposition. Rather, it takes the form of a psychological opposition because as the ayah indicates, they appear to excel in either creating a defective or a false social narrative that is well disguised to appear to be the truth. And because of the Muawiyah precedent in our history, we tend to personalize aspects of our deen that we ought not to individualize. We ought, we, we try because of this precedent to pursue a personal relationship of devotion to Allah but not a social devotion to Allah 
And so because of this precedent, we tend to take a look at this particular role of the jinn without considering how it might impact our lives in the world today by the function of the media. Now if we apply this particular ayah to the media, in particular the middle portion of the ayah, where Allah Ta'ala says, يُوحِي بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضِ زُخْرَفَ الْقَوْلُ غُرُورًا That they whisper to each other glittering half-truths that are meant to delude the mind. And if anybody occupies this function in our society, it is the media. The vast majority of people in the world get caught up in the complex imagery and the exploitative propaganda of the media to such an extent that for most of us our entire world view depends on what we read in the newspapers what we see on television, what we hear on the radio, what we see on the internet, and what we see in the movies. And so in a sense, this makes the mass media an authority on what is true and what is false, on what is fiction and what is reality. And what is important and what is trivial. And so in a sense again, there is no greater force in shaping the social and the public mind than the media. And the power cultures of the past and the power culture of today recognizes this. The powers that be in all ages, they know that if you control the dissemination of information, you can control the public mind. You can control the public. You can control how people behave, what they react to, and what they are complacent to. Even though the European Enlightenment claims to have done away with dictators and kings and princes, celebrating individual freedom and democracy. The control of information by governments and the control of information by private corporations has survived even until today. And now with modern technology and the infusion of capitalist economics, there is sort of a new centralized authority on the control of information. And that is the multinational corporation. 
in the 1980s there were something like 50 mega media corporations that controlled the flow of information to the American public this means that the majority of newspapers radio stations television programming movies books that the majority of all of this media was controlled by these 50 corporations. And these 50 corporations had interlocking interests with international banks and with other mega corporations in this country and abroad. And now if we fast forward another 35 or 40 years till today, that 50 has gone down to approximately 20. To be sure, there is some independent media out there. But that independent media generally serves small and local markets. And it's susceptible to being gobbled up by these big media giants. Or to be squeezed out by competition. Or to be squeezed out by lack of funding. Or lack of human resources. So let's look. At the earnings of the top 10 of these media corporations. Now keep in mind that these corporations are so huge that they have holdings other than media. They have properties. They have interests and stocks in other corporations. And so we're just going to focus on the media portion of these giant media corporations. The smallest of these 10 is iHeartMedia, and it owns 861 radio stations, and it has 5,800 affiliates across the country that run its programming. And this iHeartMedia is in charge mostly of conservative talk radio. And its revenue from media, from media sources last year was $6.12 billion. The second smallest of these mega 10 media corporations is Advanced Publications. Its media earnings last year were $6.42 billion. It runs the Condé Nast magazines like Travel and Vogue. And it ho owns a host of newspapers across the country. Advanced Publications is wholly Jewish owned. And then there's News Corp, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch. And its media earnings last year was $6.86 billion. A couple of its big names, its brand names are the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. Next in line, going up, CBS Corporation. Total media earnings last year of $9.57 billion. It owns 117 radio stations and 27 television stations. It is wholly Jewish owned and managed. And then number five is Viacom. 
Total earnings, $9.61 billion. It owns 250 television channels. It is also Jewish owned. And then there's Facebook. Total earnings, $11.49 billion. Most of these revenues in media coming from ad revenue. This is also Jewish owned. And then there's 21st Century Fox. Another Rupert Murdoch enterprise. Total media earnings, $18.67 billion. Its flagship news service is Fox News and Fox Sports. Third from the top, Comcast. Earnings, $19.72 billion. Its claim to fame is cable networks across the country. It is also Jewish managed. And then there is Walt Disney Company. Total earnings from media, $22.45 billion. Its claim to fame in media is television programming and movies. It is also Jewish managed. And then there is Alphabet at the very top. Total earnings $59.62 billion. Alphabet is a holding company for Google. And this is also Jewish owned. Now it may not be politically correct to identify the owners and the managers of these corporations. For they'll say that just by doing so, you are suggesting that there is collusion. And that you could be an anti-Semite. And that you could be an anti-Semite. But if you were to say the same thing about OPEC, and you were to identify all the owners of the oil corporations in those countries, nobody would say that you're an anti-Arab. We are just here stating the facts. And once you have the facts in your mind, then you can do with them as you wish. And I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember the 1973 oil embargo. I'm certainly old enough to remember it though. I was only an adolescent at the time. But there are certain things about it that I remember very deeply. And one of the things that sticks in my memory is that this very same media, this corporate multinational mass media, was in hysterics at the time, driving perhaps most of the Western world into a hysteria. That the Arabs in particular and the Muslims in general could use oil as an economic and a political weapon. And that there ought to be some kind of policy and some kind of military effort to prevent them 
from using oil as a weapon. Now some of you may be old enough to remember this. But in fact, the ability to use oil, natural gas, fossil fuels as an economic weapon was never in the hands of OPEC. The price of oil doesn't depend on supply and demand. The price of oil depends on the geopolitical considerations and the geopolitical objectives of the people in power. And so it's the imperialists and the Zionists that set the price of oil. And so if they want the price of oil to go up, then they tell the producers to stop producing. And if they want the price of oil to go down, then they tell the producers to flood the market with oil. And so it is said about the media. The media can't tell you what to think. But certainly the media does tell you what to think about. If they, if they decide to pre present something in a public forum, then it's in your mind to think about it. But if they decide to exclude something from the public space, then it never reaches your attention. And what if they decide to exclude something from the public space when it is pertinent? And indeed, these corporations are flushed with financial resources to set up focus groups to decide what and what not to expose to the public. And so media power is political power. Of the 30 largest media corporations in the world, 17 of them were founded and are based in the United States. And of those 17, 11 are either Jewish-owned, Jewish-managed, or both. And so 65% of the packaged information that 7 billion people in the world receive is screened and filtered by a handful of executives that belong to a group that represents less than 0.3% of the world's population. This ought to be a wake-up call for all of us. That the news and information that we are receiving about events that could be happening halfway across the globe has been conditioned and shaped by someone else. And so you could be halfway around the world and you could be reading a story about a neighboring city that was not composed in that city or that was not composed in your country. But it was manufactured somewhere else in the world. And that information is being presented to you through your television or through the internet or through another source of media. And so in this mix, 
And this is one of the more unfortunate things given that we have the Qur'an and the Sunnah in our hands. We Muslims want to have our own media on this model. Or we want equal time on programming that we have no control over. On programming that we did not produce. On programming that we did not finance. On programming that we have little influence over. But Allah's ayat are telling us فَذَرْهُمْ وَمَا يَفْتَرُونَ And avoid them and all of their false imagery and all the glittering half-truths that they've composed. Brothers and sisters, we could take the approach of arguing with them for a thousand years about what the right thing is, about what the truthful thing is, about the way that things ought to be presented. And we could t spend our time, our energy, our mental resources to engage in these arguments, whether it is in interface discussions or, as a, or appearing as experts in the media or on talk shows or what have you. And again, we could do this for a thousand years. But for every succeeding year that we may have an answer to one of their arguments, they're going to come up with ever more complex arguments for us to respond to. Do you think that they argue with us to bring us over to their point of view? Are they spending all these hours arguing with us so that we see things the way that they do? No, brothers and sisters, they're arguing with us because they want to take the initiative away from us. Our responsibility on this earth is to construct an Islamic scriptural society. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility is not to react to what they say, to what they do. And if there is an Islamic society in the earth that we live in, our responsibility is to support it and to promote it and to help it survive. We're not going to talk our way to an Islamic society. If we want an Islamic society that functions according to Islamic principles, according to divine commands, then we have to sacrifice and struggle for it. We can't talk our way there. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ فَاسْتَغْفِرُهُ يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ فَاسْتُرْشِدُهُ يُرْشِدُكُمْ
الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله We've been talking about the social influence of invisible beings or the jinn that have organized themselves into an opposition against Allah's prophets and by extension all of those who follow in the line of Allah's prophets. And we know about the pace of events that have been taking place in the past few months. That pace is accelerating and it is picking up steam at a level where those who initiated these events are not going to have the financial and the military capacity to keep up. And this is where we really have to be careful with the role of the media in tamping down or diminishing our momentum. And as a case in point, I will give the example of that kingdom of royals out there in Arabia and how the media is obfuscating what's going on in order to give new life to an old proxy. We have heard in the past several in the past few weeks that the crown prince in fact, he's the de facto king. Bought a painting through shell companies. Uh, a shell company is some uh, something that you set up so that you can conceal your own identity. Through shell companies, he bought a Da Vinci painting for $450 million. What didn't come up in some of these stories is that several months before he bought that painting, he also bought a yacht from a Russian oligarch for $496 million. And he bought this yacht, again through shell companies, so it couldn't be identified that he's the one who bought it. On an impulse, he happened to see it floating in the water and he noticed that it had a helicopter pad on it and he said, look, you know, I have to have this thing. And so he contacted various people, found out the price and the owner and made an offer. And he bought it for $496 million. A little bit before that, he bought what is considered to be the most expensive house in the whole world, in France, for $300 million. 
It is the palace of Louis XIV, the so-called Sun King of France. The palace and all the grounds around it for $300 million. At the same time, he's launching a war of genocide in Yemen. He tried to launch a war of genocide in Syria and failed. And despite all of this, the media is presenting him as a visionary and a reformer. Now I know that all of you over here, you don't buy this fiction. That every time you see something in the media, you question it in your minds. You may filter it with the Qur'an and the Sunnah. But the vast majority of people in the world, Muslims included, they take this in hook, line and sinker. They say, yeah, he's different than the previous kings and princes. Brothers and sisters, what we ought to recognize here is there's not a change taking place. They're just rebranding. And the prince of brand management that is helping them through this transition is sitting in the White House. But we know through all of this that as the pace of events begins to pick up and accelerate that they may have unleashed something that they cannot contain. And we know that going into the future the way that some of these reversals have been taking place as far as imperialism and Zionism are concerned. Go back all the way to the early 1990s when the Algerian people elected an Islamic government. That was a major reversal because that was a free and fair election and the Muslims chose Islamic representation. They did everything they could to overturn and overthrow that Islamic government. But then, after 9-11, the Zionists invaded southern Lebanon, and there was a 34-day engagement in which the Zionists lost 110 tanks. And for, the, for them, this is pretty significant because each tank is 30 to 40 million dollars. And so because they didn't win outright, and because they lost all of this war material, they lost that engagement to Hezbollah. And Hezbollah is more powerful today, and the Zionists are weaker today than they were back then. And then, two years after that, free and fair elections took place in Palestine. And the Palestinian, Palestinians elected an Islamic government. Another reversal for the Zionists and the imperialists. And then again, 
they put their forces in motion to overturn and overthrow that elected government. And then in Egypt, even though Al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin was not involved in the initial agitation, but when it came time for free and fair elections, the people chose an Islamic government. And it took more in treasure and money and wealth and intrigue to overturn that Islamic government. And then there was the conflagration in Syria, the imposed war on Syria in an attempt to take down of all things a secular government in Syria. which to these folks would have been a natural ally. And once again, they failed. After five years of war, and trying to destroy that government, trying to overthrow it, and trying to send Syria back to the Stone Age as they did with Afghanistan, they failed. And not only are these failures greater from failure to failure, but they are coming closer and closer together. And so what if across the Muslim world, multiple Muslim constituencies begin to choose Islamic representation? Where are they going to dedicate their resources all across the world? Where are they going to choose? And so the future road to freedom and liberation is going to go through the Muslim world. And we have to decide for ourselves, are we going to be a part of it? Or are we going to sit on the fence and watch it? Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan wa zuqna al-tiba'a. وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك قريب سميع مجيب الدعوات اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا في من عافيت وتولنا في من توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر 
ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم عباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي الصلاة حي الأنفلاة قد قامت الصلاة 